Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. We are recording today from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, in the United States of America. Our subject this morning is on reality, and we're very glad you could join us today. And we will start with our morning prayer. I'm reading from pages 264 to 265 of Divinity Course in General Collectarian. There is but one power in the universe, and that is God. Good is omnipotent. Apparent evils are not entities or things of themselves. They are simply the apparent absence of good, just as darkness is an apparent absence of light. But God, our good, is omnipresent. Therefore, the apparent absence of good evil is unreal. It is only an appearance of evil. There is no reality, life, nor intelligence in matter. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Pain, sickness, poverty, old age, death cannot master me, for they are not real. There is nothing in all the universe for me to fear, for greater is he that is within me, true self, than he that is in the world. God says, I will contend with him that contendeth with thee. He says that to every child of his, and every person is his child. It's beautiful. Thank you, Florence. Um, before we do the watching point, um, just a couple things I wanted to mention. <clears throat> uh, one is, uh, several of you mentioned how beautiful our our chorus uh, sang last week, Breathe on Us Again. And that was um, a beautiful prayer for our nation and for every nation everywhere. And I just wanted to mention, it was uh, our dear friend Jacob in Holland who sent me that song. I, I hadn't heard of it before. It's very beautiful. So we thank you, Jacob, for that. And then also we've been hearing a little bit from our friend in Pakistan, the one who is managing your generous contributions um, to them because of the burning down of Christian churches. And he's just saying they're they're working on it. They're in the process of it. At some point, they're going to send us, you know, a progress report and maybe even, even some pictures of what's going on. But their intent is to buy things that are needed and then to distribute them to the people that need it. So thank you all again for that. All yeah. right. Look to the next newsletter for that. Oh, yeah, that's right. We'll have some of that in our next newsletter. And we're not mentioning names um, just to protect the innocent, so to say. Okay. All right. So now, Karen, our watching point. Watch number 177. Watch that you remind yourself every day that the action of truth is always to preserve reality and to destroy unreality. Then you will know 
that when the action of divine love seems evil to you, it is because you are still identifying yourself with unreality. The furnace destroys the dross and refines or liberates the gold. If you ally yourself with the dross, the action of truth must seem evil to you. If, however, you identify yourself with good, you know the action of good to be always blessed, since it is freeing the spiritual idea in you. This watching point defines the wrath of God as the blessed action of truth, destroying unreality, seeming to be wrathful, only to those who love and cling to unreality. Mrs. Eddy instructs us to declare ourselves and others to be spiritual and immortal and to understand that we are so. In this way, we escape the ordeal of going through the illusion of destruction along with the dross of error. We identify ourselves with what we believe to be real. To see error in another as real is to identify ourselves with it. Okay, thank you. Comments on that one? Well, I remember when I was a member of uh, the other church um, when we were, when I was uh, getting close to leaving before I really knew I was going to, I sort of likened what was going on to the baby in the bathwater. And I, when that came to me, I thought, well, am I the baby or am I the bathwater? But I realized that what was going on in the church, um, and all the fighting and that I had, that's gotta be the water that's going out. I can't, I can see I'm not upholding. That's not what I should be upholding anymore. That's going out. So when I realized that I'm not going out with it, that I'm more or less the, the baby here, um, that's when I realized I had to leave. Well, I had that same analogy with this watching point that, um, you know, when we identify ourselves with the right spiritual idea with what God you know, God's child, then all the seeming errors that come to us are the bathwater. We just don't identify, shouldn't identify with it. And then um, we just stand with what is and let uh, let the bathwater just go the way it will go. <clears throat> it's nothing. Thank you. Yeah, the action of that furnace destroying the dross in me has not been fun over the years, that's for sure. But I think that's one excellent thing about having a church is, you know, we know it's not, it's not just happening. It's not a personal thing happening to us. It's just something that has to go on so that we can rise higher. And that's, that's wonderful. So once you, once you get that, you kind of look forward to, okay, what's the next thing? Thank you. No, that's very true. When you're going through a trial, a difficult time, it would seem, and some people do, blame God or think it's some terrible thing that's come. But if you can see it as, yeah, cleansing, and by turning to God wholeheartedly, it will be a cleansing, then you can get the benefit from it. And then it definitely will not defeat you or turn you into a whiner or a whatever else. <laughs> 
I've been reading Martha Wilcox's <laughs> Obedience to Truth, and she keeps repeating that, that this is obedience to truth. It's just, uh, I love that chapter. And, uh, that's, and you're either being obedient to truth or you're not. And by doing what it said at the end, seeing people correctly, that's being obedient to truth. That's it. It's a big one. Because if you go around seeing error here, there, and everywhere, well, it's it's ultimately in you. That's where the healing has to come and take place. That doesn't mean at times you, you we do see things, and Mrs. Eddy says we will, and maybe even more. So, but you see it impersonally, not as them, but as as animal magnetism, and in that way you can deal with it quickly and thoroughly. It doesn't upset you or or get you all wound up or. <clears throat> reacting reacting or making a reality of it and then because then it's going to jump you and then you're going to be having the same dream the other person seems to be having or perhaps worse especially when you know better um so it's very important we understand these truths and these principles there's laws that we live by so if you do see something that's not right then you correct it in your own thinking and if you need to to correct it with the person and then get on with it you don't have to harbor any resentment or anger um and if you are you're not doing it impersonally you're not doing it impersonally that statement in the trial in science and health where mrs eddie said mortal Man ruminated, and then what happened? The trial began. began. Mm-hmm. So when you go around and around with someone who you think has wronged you or whatever, you are putting yourself in the court of mortal mind. It's not a good court no, to be in. Got The only way to get out of it is get into your science where you're seeing as God sees. Otherwise, it'll it'll go after you, you will suffer for your disobedience. You are being disobedient. I didn't understand that for a long time. I didn't think some of these little things were disobedience. Like not seeing your your mother, (laughs) not seeing anybody correctly or, or fear being fearful or being negative. Everything is wrong. You find the, find what's wrong in everything not fun to be with people that are that way and and if you are then you've got to correct it in your in your own thought and in the person Gary? i think uh the, the these two words spiritual and immortal they are words that i i never really thought of or identified with or made my own for a long time uh, after coming into science and yet this is it's a goal that we already are, but we have to become aware of it, that we are spiritual and immortal, because that's what separates us from all the lies that come. <clears throat> and also that's what make, make us at one with God. So those two have meant a lot much later. <laughs> it's unfortunate that I, I wasn't, you know, just thinking about those two words, spiritual and immortal spiritual and immortal, because 
God made me in his image, as his image and likeness. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Florence. Because those are those are two fundamental facts of being. And you know, the lie is always trying to tell you that it's not true, that you are material and that you are mortal. And that's the lie that you always have to be aware of because it's always going to be nipping at the heel of your consciousness. Mrs. Eddie warns us, this is a warfare. So put your guard up. (laughs) And also, you know, we are spiritual, which means that our consciousness is what governs our experience. It's what's in our consciousness. It's what we allow in our consciousness that governs our experience. And if we allow negative, wrong thoughts into our consciousness and let them stay there, well, we're going to pay a price for it until we realize that that's a big mistake. Even though the world tells us it's reality, It's a big mistake when we put the truth of God in our consciousness and keep it there, then our experience is very, very different and very, very good. And we will see things as they really are. That is why the article, Big Da Young's article about uh, God is man's individual consciousness is such an important one. And um, in this lesson, the revelator was on our plane of existence while yet beholding what I cannot see, that which is invisible to the uninspired thought. This testimony of Holy Writ sustains the fact in science that the heavens and earth to one human consciousness, that consciousness which God bestows, are spiritual while to another, the unillumined mind, the vision, is material. This shows unmistakably that what the human mind terms matter and spirit indicates states and stages of consciousness. It's just what Gary was saying. So where do you want to be? In the kingdom of God, in the kingdom of heaven? Or in this material world, the Adam dream, where you're battling out and this one and that one. It's up to you. And that's why two people can be in two the same place at the same time, and each person will have a totally different experience. Have you ever noticed that? So have the, so have the police. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Or, you know, the, the news reporters, one will report one thing, another will see something else. You often see according to what you what you're thinking. Sometimes it's your human history that you see being played again and again and again and again because you haven't gotten rid of whatever that human history is. People mistreated you, then they'll mistreat you. You can count on it. Just count on it. You're going to entertain that and think about it. It'll happen over and over and over until you stop it. And you claim your individual consciousness as the one and only consciousness, which is God. And that's why, to go back to what um, 
Lawrence said, Man is not material, he is spiritual, and in truth there is no other consciousness. There's only the one, and, it, and it, the more you declare for it and know it, <clears throat> the more you will have it. <clears throat> but you get you get daily opportunities to work on this, don't you? Yes. <laughs> and you either are or you're not. <laughs> so, And if you're not, it builds up over a period of time. And then you seem to suffer for it, but you can stop it. And thank God for that. Thank yes. God for Christian science, which shows us the way. So, so, and again, if you're hanging on to it and identifying it as real and thinking people have mistreated you and all of this that's going on, well, then you will seem to suffer for it until you, you stop it. So that's the importance of that watching point. So thank you, Karen. And the suffering <clears throat> serves a useful purpose, doesn't it? Which is why Paul, what did Paul say about delighting in infirmities or something like that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Tribulation. Yeah. Yeah. If we're suffering, demand the blessing. It's a wake up call. It's not the world out to get you. It's not people out to get you. It's a wake up call. Like go of that hot potato. I need to go higher. Yeah, good. God, what are you trying to tell me? Yep. And yeah, Jeremy said, letting go of a hot potato. That's what I was going to say too. You get where you, you the flags are going to come up. If you start indulging in jealousy, for instance, the flag should come up. No, you don't want to do that. You don't want to go there. That's not going to lead you anywhere, any place good, or resentment, or whatever, whatever else might come up of the carnal mind. A red flag, we'll drop it like a hot potato. Don't want to go there. No get, thanks. Get behind me, Satan. That's it. Don't have to. All righty. Can you hear me? Yes. It's so important what it says in science and health about we learn through science or through suffering. We don't have to go through the suffering when we go to the science of the Christ. This is a pact. And also, um, that article on obedience, thank you so much for mentioning disobedience. It is so wonderful, that article of obedience. Never asking from your post. Never don't ready to work for God. Never ill human. And there's a fourth one there. Is anybody... Um, there's a fourth one there that says about what is obedience. It is so wonderful. I really wanted to bring up that article, Obedience. Yes, that's the one by Mrs. Eddy. And um, the one that Linda mentioned was by Martha Wilcox. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, never absent from your post, never off guard, never ill-humored, never unready to work for God. This is obedience. And that's from Obedience by Mrs. Eddy. All right. Um, Nancy, would you start us off with our golden text? Uh, Second Corinthians. God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts 
to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And I looked up words in the Webster's uh, 1828 Dictionary. Light, understanding and wisdom, illumination of mind, instruction, knowledge. Shine, to emit rays of light, to give light, to beam with steady radiance, to manifest glorious excellencies, and knowledge, learning, illumination of mind, a clear and certain perception of that which exists of truth and fact. And in a commentary on the daily verses, uh, the first word of God at the dawning of creation was, let there be light. And it is the same spirit who brooded over the face of the deep, who dispels the darkness in a man's heart at salvation. It is he who floods the glorious light of the gospel of Christ into a hurting soul. The author of life and the fountain of all grace has flooded our hearts with the true light of the world. The Lord Jesus Christ is our dazzling and eternal day star, and he is the light of life in whom we have received forgiveness of sins and life everlasting. The glorious love of God has been poured into every person of Christ, for he is the exact representation of the invisible God, who not only reflects the beauties of the Lord, but is himself the source of all light, the fountain of all life, and the bottomless reservoir of all love. The illuminating light of his sufficiency and knowledge, his wisdom and grace, his truth and his power is reflected in the shining face of the wonderful Lord Jesus. The light of the glorious gospel of grace is streamed into the hearts of all who seek him with their whole being. Remember that no matter where we are, what we do, or however dark the path we tread, the light of the world is not only with us, but indwells our heart and will flood our inner being with his perfect peace when our mind is stayed on him. Thank you. That was just beautiful. Shining light. And what we're talking about here and knowing God is our consciousness and shining light, um, this is all reality, isn't it? And Mrs. Eddie asks us or tells us to choose good as the reality. Choose good as the reality and make sure we are have those shining faces. Um, that was one thing Mrs. Evans would get after us, after me. She she would often say my face in repose looked very sad. And, and sometimes it is true when you're not consciously smiling or looking outward. You can look sad if you're not aware of, of it, which shows truly what you are thinking. Because I think if you're thinking happy, peaceful thoughts, your face won't look sad. It will look shining and bright. So... Thank you for that, Nancy. Did you want to comment on it at all? Well, it just, it says it all. I've always been attracted to, to light, <laughs> the word light. And so it just spoke to me that this light is in every single one of us. And it's up to us 
to let it shine. Yeah. Yeah, that song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Um, so that's it. And that's what doesn't Christ Jesus tell us that in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Like your light so shine. Yes. That men will see your good works and glorify your God. That's one thing we can, we're all capable of doing that every day. Is there any, anything preventing you from doing that? Yeah, only <laughs> so make sure May that I say something. Sure, go ahead, please. Um and back to rejoicing in infirmity. Um I'm reading a book right now, the biography of Bliss Knapp, Mrs. Eddy's student, and he traveled across the country in the early nineteen hundreds as a lecturer. And in the dead of winter, um, all the way to California from Boston, and you, know, you can just imagine what he had to deal with, but he said mortal mind was throwing stuff up at him all the time. And he just, I was just impressed with how cheerful he was about it. You know, he fell out of the stagecoach once, and, you know, all these train problems all the time, and he just remained so... You know, and he said it was like a voice was telling him, you're going to get there on time. Don't worry about that. And so he was just knowing that that all presence of God was there and that good was all there was, kept him and can keep us just, you know, cheerful because we don't have anything to be afraid of in reality. So I just was really loving the book. It's wonderful. Oh, good. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, he 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 had a mission, and he it was yeah. uppermost in his mind, and he, you know he he was going to do it because he yes, knew. as we all do, right? And we all have a mission. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the key. Do you get up every day and and know that you have an important divine mission? <laughs> Better. Well. I think it better. makes a lot of difference. It makes all the difference. You have a, a real. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, you don't have a material mission. <laughs> you don't have. You don't have a, an opposing mission. It's good to know. I think. You, I think uh, you even think that. Oh, wh why am I getting up? And what has helped me? What inspires me? I hear a lot, you know, I'm not inspired. I'm, I don't have inspiration. But I think it's that selflessness. When you think that you are here or what, whatever you're doing is to glorify God and to bless mankind, that's an inspiration, I feel. Um, you know, all the time, every day. It, 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 I think if you really let go of self, of course, and just think that, no, I'm doing this for God. Even if I'm going, just going out to the shop, what, what are you going? If a smile on your face can help someone, it has helped me. I know that. Thank you so much. That's so true. Absolutely. Just a smile on your face will help someone. And everywhere we go, what is that? Everywhere we go, the place should be better for our passing there. Um, not not worse, please, <laughs> but better. I find it very helpful to do what uh, 
Mrs. Evans instructed us all to do many, many years ago. When I get up, thank God, you are my mind. Thank you for being my mind. You are my life. Thank you for the privilege of being your image and likeness. And God, you are truth. Thank you, God, that the truth is all-powerful. Now, what do you want me to do today? Very beautiful. Thank you. I was just thinking, as you were saying that, too, I was um, remembering a time when I would, at our old house, we had this park nearby, and we'd walk there often. And there was this man that used to walk there, and he had the most radiant face. And I remember one time I was just kind of feeling down the dumps and he walked by and he just smiled at me and there was so much love. I, I, it's, it's so hard to describe, but it's just like, it just like hit me like a force. It was just so beautiful. And it, it picked me up and it's just, it just shows the power of just that, like we were saying that one, you know, what, what we're expressing, even in the smallest bit can make a huge difference because I started looking for this guy. And every time I saw him, he was like that. And it was beautiful. And he made a big difference, and he never knew it. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. Or maybe he did know it. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. yeah I know. He did. <laughs> one, one time, it was one of those YouTube things, but it was it was a traffic guard guy, and he would get out in the street, and he'd start dancing, you know, as he directed the traffic. <laughs> and he made people happy. You couldn't help but smile or laugh. He did it every morning. <laughs> Every morning he'd go out there and do a little jig while he was, <laughs> and I know he was doing it to, to, to lighten the world um, early in the morning as people were going to work. Let his light shine. He was letting his light shine, fellow. <laughs> now, what Nancy read about, it was so beautiful, the bottomless reserve of all love. Um, there's this very beautiful article Carrie sent called As a Light That Burneth by John B. Willis, and in it it says, said St. Paul, all things are yours. Linked inseparably to God, our resources become infinite. The oil cannot fail, and to shine continually involves no hazard of exhaustion. Indeed, the law of our increase is here determined by our habit of expenditure. No one can love largely without finding it Possible to love more. And the only requirement laid upon us is that of the consent. Let your light shine. This is the all-inclusive mandate. And one is surprised to find how frequently it is reiterated by our leader in science and health. Quote, let us accept science, end quote. Quote, let us learn of the real and eternal, end quote. These and kindred appeals are, are found on well nigh every page. The significance of consent to truth is thus lovingly emphasized. Christian science not only awakens thought to the store of oil at our command, the wealth of, the wealth of individual endowment in Christ, but to the fact that unless our lamp is trimmed and burning, this store is rendered ineffective. So far as we are concerned, as the song exists, not in the notes or symbols, but in the singing, and as the lamp is radiant, a light only in its flame, so love is itself only in loving.
So remember, you have this inexhaustible flame, God, a, a endless reservoir of good. It's only when your own human will gets in or your human nature or whether it's trying to please people or something human that gets in there that it, it then it becomes burdensome and heavy and and exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> but when it's a when it's the lamp of God, the light shining from God, that light is inexhaustible. We've talked about before about not giving of your oil, which is what you what you earn, and that's true. But the light that shines from the oil of the lamp of God inexhaustible and the more you give it the more you have it that little song that the nursery school children sing love is nothing till you give it away <laughs> and you give it away and you end up having more and that's the truth that's a beautiful song to teach the children because it's so true Amen. so thank you nancy for that and um the responsive reading this week, again, all, all in reality, but it, it establishes us when Christ, who is our life, and putting off the old man with his deeds, it's so important, um, and put on the new man, and above all these things, put on charity, put on love, because without that, you were a tinkling cymbal and a sounding brass. Don't even bother. And then let the peace of God rule in your hearts, or are you all agitated and upset about something? Well, then you better get back and get your get your peace. And then the word of Christ. Are you studying that word and imbibing it, his Sermon on the Mount? <clears throat> let it dwell in you richly. Wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another. Yes, correcting when need be. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And then whatsoever you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So everything you do, you do for God. And if, you're, if that's truly in you, um, even if you do make some mistakes, there won't be harmful mistakes. You'll learn from them. You won't harm yourself, harm yourself or anyone else. You'll just learn. And there's another very beautiful article Carrie sent. Um, it's called Renewal. This should go on the website, too. Um, the whole thing is very beautiful, so that's why we'll put it on the website. But it starts off a quote from someone. I, I am living only one day at a time and throwing off the old man of error each day with the word of truth, end quote, writes a fellow traveler in Christian science. From this statement, one catches an inspiring echo of the fact that whatever is old and erroneous may be cast off, discarded like a worthless garment by right thinking and acting. Era, that ancient belief in the reality and power of evil, is seen in the light of Christian science to be the only thing that is old and it is indeed broken, helpless, and decrepit. Error is old and dying. Its days are numbered, but truth is forever new and regenerative. It goes on. So so tell me, who, who do you want to identify with these old decrepit thoughts? <laughs> of 
course not. But but it takes discipline and habits that you develop to be, as Gary was saying, to have the truth, the force of truth with you every morning, knowing it's talking to you, speaking to you, listen to it, ever guiding you. So, so you'll be doing the right thing at the right time. Anyway, when it goes on the carousel, read it. It's beautiful. It's by an Eleanor F. Edwards. All right. Um, now, Chardell, what did you write? Well, that centurion, he's a, he's a favorite. And uh, shall I just read some of it? Sure. Okay. Uh, this is a much-loved story of the Roman centurion who approached Christ Jesus, beseeching him to heal his servant who lay at home very sick in the palsy. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou should come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to them, man, go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And then I looked up authority, this authority of God, and the person or body exercising power or command, rule, power, law of rule of action. And this to me is Faith and understanding all combined. The centurion knew, and he was a Roman, and he knew, and he believed. And, of course, his servant was healed. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, this we talked about it, I believe last week, we talked about it a lot, a lot this idea of faith and um, how important it is. And... It's defined as the ascent of the mind to the truth of divine revelation. An entire confidence or trust in God. So, faith is indeed very important. But in science, and we know, um, uh, and it says, because in, in Hebrews, faith but without faith, it is impossible to please him, God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We, so how do, you, how do you relate this? How do you get it? And why is it a good thing? And why is it so essential? Isn't it a matter of spiritual sense versus so-called material sense? Can you have faith without a strong spiritual sense to tell you what to have faith in? I mean, everybody has faith in something, right? Yeah. Some people yeah. have faith in in the truth. A lot of people have faith in medicine. A lot of people have faith in politicians. A lot of people have faith in 
you know, relatives, parents, whatever. But it makes all the difference what you have faith in and what's telling you properly what to have faith in. And it gets back to if you have a developed spiritual sense that you have trusted and that you have developed, it will guide you what you should have faith in. This centurion had some experience with some of Jesus' disciples. He had either seen or heard about the healings that Jesus had done. His spiritual, he had spiritual sense, and his spiritual sense said, this guy has got something going that's right. And even though I'm a Roman and, uh, you know, whatever my background is, there's something really right here. He trusted his spiritual sense. Also, also I think if, if you know that God is all power and present, you know, there's an article, um, a journal article, 1885, where Mrs. Eddie is attributed to her. It said that trust to his care, make faith in him your staff, it will not bend. So to me, that means like, here's the all power, no matter what, the only power is God. Why should I trust it more than anything else? Exactly. And, and faith, <clears throat> faith has to do with the heart. Faith, uh, I think it, you wind up at a place of peace, your spiritual sense in your heart will can bring you that peace because it also says a doubly minded man is unstable in all its ways and they can never have real faith until they're and they never find peace until they find faith in something that's true and right and love that touches the heart so I think we find our heart is released as we uh and once our heart is released, then we can really love God and stay tight to Him. Thank you, and that, that's I, a definition of a healthy heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. I've also thought that faith to have something, faith in something, is to um, that that whatever that it has to be eternal, but changeless. To trust something that can be changed at the moment or you wake up one day and everything you thought you trusted in is now changed. That is a, that's very shakable. You know, you can't, but to be, to have faith in that, which is changeless, eternal, is only gotta be, it's gotta be God. Um, spiritual because it's changeless. And then you know that that's then your faith is um, unshakable because it will never change. That which you trust in will never change. And that's why God. the so essential to have your a right sense of what in God is, who, what God is, which is what Mrs. Eddie gives us, which is what, you know, Florence was speaking about as well. You've got to know him as the only power 
And then, yes, trust that. As we talked about last week, maybe taking a leap of faith if you've never trusted in, in it before. You've got to start somewhere. And in the in the lesson, faith, if it is mere belief, it has a pen, it, it, it is as a pendulum swinging between nothing and something, having no fixity. Faith advanced to spiritual understanding is the evidence gained from spirit, which rebukes sin of every kind and then establishes the claims of God. And sometimes that has to begin with rebuking the sin of every kind. And then you establish those claims. It is get thee hence, era, Satan, and then you bring what's true. But this is not the thing that you were alluding to that swings back and forth. And um, But it is a faith that is then based on the understanding. And, um, and she gives a different, you know, there are two ideas of belief. Some, some belief is, you know, not very good. It's, it, it is not based on understanding. But in the lesson, in Science and Health, the Hebrew verb to believe means also to be firm or to be constant, unwavering in, in what we know. This certainly applies to truth and love understood and practiced. And then the definition of believing, which is one of the definitions we were asked to memorize, firmness and constancy, not a faltering nor a blind faith, but the perception of spiritual truth. So, and the difference definitions between trustfulness and trustworthiness, not just um, having your faith as Gary was listening and other things to have this strong sense of who and what God is so that you're trustworthy. Um, Trustworthiness, which includes spiritual understanding and confides all to God. So all of this reading and studying, and it's all to result in an understanding. You get past just the faith, but you understand all these principles. And again, I I mentioned... I mention this often, but in retrospection, introspection, this is Eddie's article, short article, or actually it's a chapter in that, called Faith Cure. It is often asked why are faith cures sometimes more speedy than some of the cures wrought through Christian scientists? Because faith is belief and not understanding, and it is easier to believe than to understand spiritual truth. It demands less cross-bearing self-renunciation and divine science to admit the claims of the corporeal senses and appeal to God for relief through a humanized conception of his power. Then, to deny these claims and learn the divine way, drinking Jesus' cup, being baptized with his baptism, gaining the end through persecution and purity, Millions are believing in God or good without bearing the fruits of goodness, not having reached its science. Belief is virtually blindness when it admits truth without understanding it. Blind belief cannot say with the apostle, I know whom I have believed. There is danger in this mental state called belief, for if truth is admitted but not understood, it may be lost. 
an error may enter through the same channel of ignorant belief. The faith cure has devout followers whose Christian practice is far in advance of their theory. It goes on. But the point being, faith cure isn't really it. And even, you know, if practitioners just have these healings, and yet the student is, has not advanced in his understanding, then they are left helpless. That was that separated Mrs. Evans from any practitioner I'd ever worked with before, and there hadn't been a lot of them, but she, she, man, you learned everything, right? She shared everything. She, she gave you things to work with. She expected you to testify. She expected you to live it. The church was active. We, we were held accountable to each other. And believe me, it makes all the difference. This isn't about waving a magic wand or just having blind faith. This is about getting where you spiritually understand these truths. So they're operative in your life and they are unfailing and you trust them no matter what. And this is reality. And why not choose good as the reality? And, and this um, is everyone's mission. Go ahead. No, I was just saying it's it's everyone's mission. It's not just, you know, to make our own lives pretty and um, comfy. It's about um, it's serious, and it's and it's there's no time to waste. It's crucial. Thank you very much. Very much so. Yes. No. And Mrs. Eddie says, make it your task, right? Except lovingly. And we are holding watch over the world. This is very serious. Thank you, Elizabeth. Very serious that we do this. And we take it here most seriously. And joyfully. And joyfully, yes. Exactly. (laughs) There was something else that helped me a lot. It kind of goes back to what we began earlier when we were talking about God being individual consciousness. And that this is this is true reality. And um, again, we this was in last week's lesson as well. But health is not a condition of matter, but of mind, nor can the material senses bear reliable testimony on the subject of health. I, I love this. As I said, if you know that the. Um, sorry about that. Um, that health is a condition of mind. It will never fluctuate. And Bicknell Young says, in God is individual consciousness, healing consists in opening our consciousness to the inflow of spiritual truth. And as this truth fills our consciousness, it manifests itself as an improved body, improved conditions, and improved health. There we are again. Health. That is what health is. So stop poking around on your body and think about how much truth is filling your consciousness. Every corner, you can't have some corner you think nobody knows about, because God knows it all, or something you're indulging in because you think it's okay. No. All of truth, all of light, just as when a light enters a dark room, the whole room will become illumined. 
all of God's light. It must reach every corner in you. Whatever is troubling you, it goes into your inward parts for healing. And and it will work miracles. And as we said last week, God is the source and condition of all existence. All right. There's something lovely from Peter V. Ross. It's on our carousel, but it is talking about choosing good as your reality. This is article entitled Conversing in Heaven by Peter V. Ross. The mesmerism of the material world is not a permanent affair. Man's status of perfection has not departed. It has not even faded. If unseen or forgotten in this wilderness of mortal existence, it is nevertheless at hand. It is not a condition so much to be struggled for as it is to be called to remembrance. Life with all its glories is here to be recognized. It is yours this day, yours to be enjoyed. It makes no difference how busy you are. You are choosing. You are making decisions. You are talking with yourself. If you are not cautious, you will be picturing age, fashioning ill health, deploring the inefficiency of government. When you select this line of conversation, you add to the mesmerism, which is already weighing you down. You make the wrong choice. With a little more discernment and resolution, you can make the right choice. You can order your conversation along healthful and wholesome lines. All day long, you can talk with yourself of the vigor, the buoyancy, the resistlessness, the eternality, the glory of life, keeping in thought all the time that it is your life you are talking about. In this way, you put vital truths to work in your own premises instead of idly contemplating them in the abstract. In this mood, you are not far from invoking the injunction to pray without ceasing. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.